0: Welcome to the Superhero Finder podcast. Now, as always, I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and I'm searching the cosmos, looking around the galaxies for inspirational people with some really cool stories to tell. So whether you're here to take something away for yourself, whether you're going for a walk, whether you're driving to work, whatever you're doing, or whether you're taking something to be able to make somebody else's day better. Welcome. And I am delighted to be joined by Star today. How are you, Star?
1: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: Very good, thank you. Now, we were saying before we came on that it's very weird to be talking live because we've kind of been messaging backwards and forwards and commenting and stuff on TikTok for a little while now, haven't we?
1: Yeah, in been a couple of months now.
0: Yeah, it has. And I think it's it's such an incredible world how we're so connected, but also, as we said before as well, and about it being... Your social media profile is a window. It's a window into whatever you want the shop to look like. Yeah. So we're going to discuss some of the things that are behind that window and kind of look at the whole spectrum of the rainbow. I yeah. Think, there was there was a link there. There was a rainbow <laughs> slash pride link there as well, and we'll get on to that as well. But I just wonder, just for a start, anyone that's listening, would you like to tell anyone a little bit about yourself?
1: Uh, yeah, I am a thirty-one-year-old accidental TikToker um, slash spicy accountant slash ultra runner slash uh, lupus warrior. I think that's I think that's about it. Yeah,
0: that's quite yeah. a mix.
1: Yeah, I don't think I'm missing anything. No gobshite, bit of a gobshite. <laughs>
0: I mean, that's fair. That's (laughs) that's a fair judgment. So when you say accidental TikToker then, talk us through that.
1: Um, I had about 20 followers, which were comprised of my mum and uh, my siblings. And uh, I was going out for my birthday, my 30th birthday. And I made one of those transition videos where you look like shit and then you glam yourself up. Yeah. And I posted it put my phone away, and <laughs> didn't check my phone until the next night when I was just sat in my pajamas on the couch. And when I did, I had over 10,000 followers, uh, 1.1 million views on this video out of nowhere. So when I say accidental, I really mean it. Wow. So, yeah. And then after that, my life sort of changed.
0: Yeah. So is that is that the one that you kind of reposted and reflected on recently then? Because so I did see. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The uh, Shaka Boom one.
0: Yeah, the Shaka one. That's that's incredible how something so simple can can change. That. And when you say that things changed since then, how have things changed since you did that? Since that happened.
1: Um, I think more than anything, it's uh, my confidence. I was a really, really bad agoraphobic. So I still struggle with that, mm. but I had no confidence whatsoever. I genuinely thought I was the most disgusting person in the world to look at. Um, Never left my house unless it was to take the kids somewhere or if I was accompanied by someone else. And even then I was very scared. Um, I didn't really have any friends. And the friends that I did have were from like childhood and you wouldn't see them very often.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, it's, it's more the mentality about myself has changed more than anything. Obviously, then I've started a career as a spicy accountant, so my finances have changed. But, yeah, mentally I've changed a lot.
0: Yeah. I mean, even, I suppose, does some of that come from spending more time in front of the camera and and being more used to seeing yourself and and stuff like that. Did that play a part, the kind of repetitive putting yourself out there on your TikToks and did that kind of change your confidence or was there other stuff as well?
1: Yeah, I think um it was that and also obviously getting compliments. I wasn't used to that. I'd never experienced getting an abundance of compliments. You obviously get hate comments, but I was used to that. i have been bullied throughout childhood and teenage years, but having people tell me that they thought I was pretty and thought I was a nice person was completely like new to me. I'd never experienced that. And it was like, oh, wow. And then once you hear it so many times, you actually start believing it. So, yeah.
0: What I find really interesting, that's awesome. What I find really interesting about that is that that's almost the flip side on how a lot of people see and experience social media in that respect. Because, and it's sad because the troll comments and, and the not necessarily hate comments, but the comments, you know, the negative ones, the derogatory ones. You've just said you were kind of used to, so they kind of water off a duck's back. They were, they were kind of nothing. They weren't really creating an impact. Whereas, it was the good comments that were really creating an impact. And I think a lot of people, I know myself included, when you get compliments, compliments are almost expected. But then it's the ones, it's the the trolls, it's the the people that are out there, the keyboard warriors, that can have the biggest impact for me. I just, I just find that really interesting. How it's the opposite for you?
1: Yeah, I, I didn't, I've never got compliments from people. It's always been the opposite. So it was either because I had disabled parents, it was people making fun of my parents or saying they didn't want to come near me because they could possibly catch something. Or when I was a teenager, I was a bit overweight. So a lot of my friends would describe me as the duff, the dumb, ugly fat friend that they take with them to make them feel better about themselves. So people turning around and saying, Oh wow, you're so pretty. I'd never I've never had that. <clears throat> so um people then commenting mm. and saying, Oh wow, how did you do makeup? Or wow, you're stunning. That was a whole new experience for me. So they stuck. When people like troll me, I, I quite like it and I'll en- I enjoy it. And sometimes mm. I'll make reply videos. And I'm never mean back to him. Uh sometimes sometimes I'm a little bit. But I, I'll I usually do it in good humour back because I know the people that are being mean are normally sad within themselves. Yeah. So but yeah, it was it was that for me. Really changed my mindset.
2: Yeah.
0: And and you can tell the with the way that you're able to reflect on it and the way that you kind of holding the, the conversation is it's clear that it has had a change and a really positive effect on you and is is that in turn what led to and i love the term spicy accountant. i think it's fantastic um my
1: mild cover account.
0: you are
1: my mild cover account <laughs>
0: um is that did that lead on from doing the tiktok stuff or was that some that was that already something that that you were interested in doing or
1: oh god no no so I I'd grown up and uh, someone in my family had already uh, when I was younger been in sort of that business before they'd been like a model and so I'd seen them done it uh, seen them seen do it and thought wow I wish I had that confidence but I'd never wanted to join that business people had asked and had me made jokes and be like, no, never going to happen. And then my roof caved in and I needed 40 grand. <laughs> and I was like, how do I come up with 40 grand really quick? I know. I'll do a, a spicy page, but I don't want to get fully naked mm-hmm. because I don't have the balls to do it. So that's why it was like a mild corner account.
2: Mm.
1: So it was just going to be lingerie. And I was so nervous about just doing that because before that, like... When I was with my husband, he never saw me in my underwear because I was so... I, I just hated the way I looked. Oh, really? Then when I started taking photos of my underwear, I started getting a bit more confident. And I was like, all right, okay, I'll do topless. Start doing topless. Now I do fully nude um, because it's its given me the confidence to do it. I, I Before, I wouldn't have like walked around my house naked yeah even if there was no one here because there might be someone that sees me and they they wouldn't want to look at me because i was so disgusting and now i'm like oh no i quite like the way i look so but the reason why i started was because i needed money it was that simple and Did you? And get get it's still getting done um i still got scaffolding outside my window but it's paid <laughs> for yeah paid for it that's
0: amazing That's a proper Um, entrepreneurial mindset right there.
1: I wasn't going to ask people for money. I wasn't going to beg. I needed to earn it and I needed to do it quick. I've never had credit cards or anything like that, so I didn't have a very good credit score. Not because I'd ever been in debt, but because I'd never built up a credit score. Um, So I couldn't get a loan for 40 grand. And um, I'd literally just bought this house. So I couldn't remortgage. Yeah. And I just thought, sod it. I'll give it a go. And it worked out well.
0: Hey, I don't want to take too much of your time off this amazing conversation. Just a little quick break to tell you a little bit about Patreon. www.patreon.com slash thekindeststrongman will allow you to help support and grow this podcast. I want to do loads more with it, and I'm excited to say that members of my Patreon will be able to see loads of it before it even happens that's amazing second thing be strong be kind my merch is now live so i will drop the link in the description but it's also if you can go to bsbk.tmil.com you can find it all yourself you can grab yourself a hoodie grab yourself a t-shirt and if there's something that you can't see or a color that you can't see just let me know right back to the fun
1: it's it's my main source of income now
0: good I was I was just about to ask is it is it something you do alongside a, a job as well or is it your main?
1: Yes, it's it's my main job now.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. And I think the world the world is changing so much in terms of the ways that virtually and online work um, can be done. And I'd love to know. So you're open and honest, and you know, like you said, you're an open book, um, and. Actually, it's brilliant the reasons why the things that have motivated you to go into this stuff. It's so practical. Well, I need money, and this is a way for me to get money. But I think that's had a huge effect on your, you know, your, your self-confidence, etc. Where do you sit on the whole idea of kind of OnlyFans um, and into the wider reaching kind of stuff on sex work? Because diff- I suppose everyone's got a different channel of what they want to use it for. Do you ever get any, I suppose what I'm asking is, do you ever get people that question kind of your morality by doing it? Oh, yeah. Because it's still frowned upon, isn't it, in a lot of ways by a lot of people?
1: Yeah. So before I started it, um, I asked for the opinion of my mum and of my kids. That was it. Anyone else was just telling them I was doing it they didn't have a say in the matter. Um, I asked my mom, she said, go for it. And I asked my eldest daughter and my eldest son. Um, my two younger kids are six and four. So didn't really ask them. Um, they sort of know what I do, like the basics of it. Um, but my older kids are teenagers and, uh, my eldest daughter was fine with it and my eldest son is a complete and utter feminist and he was like your body your choice buy me a playstation (laughs) Um, so he was fine with it yeah um wow i have siblings and so the the way i went about telling them was this is what i'm doing the way you respond to me telling you this will decide whether or not at christmas you get a really good present or you just get a crappy christmas card you decide (laughs) and unsurprisingly they've all been very supportive
2: absolutely
0: i mean why not right
1: (laughs) oh oh no i I think it's great yeah you you do you
0: (laughs) did any part of you want to just bring out a crappy card anyway like, a joke. Oh,
1: well, for some family members, yeah.
0: I love that. I love that. And, do you know, how much would you say, because a lot of people, if they're in a job, you know, they do 40 hours, or 40 hours is kind of the number that's banded around, what kind of time do you spend a week kind of preparing photos or whatever you do? How, how much time do you spend on it?
1: So, I... We'll take photos once a week yeah. or if say I'm feeling really good about myself. I'll snap a couple of pictures um, to do my makeup and take fi- photos. is about two hours. Yeah. Um, and then I message throughout the day. And then after my kids are in bed, I'll message until I fall asleep. So it can range anywhere between like five to ten hours a week I'll work. And I have worked at one time three jobs um just to survive. And I'd much rather be doing this. And I earn more money doing this. And I mean I I've, I've scrubbed toilets for a living. I've been a carer full time for my parents. Um I worked in a Catholic high school before oh, doing man. this. Yeah. Um so, I, yeah, I know that some of my colleagues have had things to say about my new career. Um. So, yeah, I'd much rather be doing this. It's more fun.
0: Yeah, no, I bet it is. Are you able to separate yourself from it? Because the, the reason why I ask this is, is as a, a self-employed, technically, you know, an entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it, myself, I know I find it difficult to create a balance. And you just said there that you message until kind of you go to sleep and stuff. Do you, do you find that you can get a healthy balance between the kind of work and life?
1: Yeah, there's some nights where I'm busy, so I won't I won't go online and message. Yeah. It's completely up to me. Or if I'm sick, I won't go online and message. I do realise that that means on that day I'm not going to be earning as much money. Yeah. So it's... But I've, I've always been a hard worker. So there's not very many times that I'm not working at it. Yeah. And uh, most of the messaging that I do do on there, people usually will go, "Oh, are they really dirty messages?" Um, I'd say maybe twenty percent.
2: Yeah. And
1: like sexting.
2: Yeah.
1: The rest is people just wanting to have someone to talk to. Wow.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's why it. I, I think honestly I'm an unqualified therapist for a lot of people. They just need someone to talk to. And I love that.
0: Yeah, that, That's great that you could create that space that people can, can speak to. And the reason why I've kind of asked a lot of questions about this is because I think there is a huge stigma around some of the work and actually just some real gems within what you do. You know, not only from how you feel about yourself and kind of how that's gone, but also from the space be, you're able to provide for people, and no doubt that's helping in its own way. Um, yeah. Now, slight different change of subject. Then, long distance running. Yeah. How how on earth did that start, and do you still do it? When was the last time you did a run? Like a long. Distance.
1: Um. A few weeks ago, but I did get pulled from the race. I only ended up doing about 15 miles. Um, oh, you've frozen on me again.
0: Oh, yeah, can you hear me?
1: Yeah, yeah I can hear you now.
0: Just still hear me? It's okay. Um, yeah. so how come you got pulled then? What happened?
1: I had stomach issues, kept throwing up, even to the point where just sipping water and I was like retching, so I got pulled from the race. Uh, which is a good thing because I don't tend to quit, so if I don't get pulled, they'll uh, I'll usually end up collapsing. It's happened before. <laughs>
0: Ah, so you kind of go past what your body's trying to say. And,
1: yeah. Yeah. I, I did an ultra and about 30 miles in, it was a 90 mile ultra and 30 miles in I snapped a ligament in my ankle and I did the remaining 70 miles on that ankle and I've damaged it beyond repair now.
2: Because of that? So,
1: yeah. Um, wow. Which is stupid. But... They didn't pull me. The medic didn't pull me. He was like, next checkpoint, you're going to drop out. And I was like, I'm not. I was last at that ultra, but I I didn't drop out. And, of course, permanent damage to my ankle. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm glad they pulled me. Otherwise, I'd have just ended up in the dirt, unconscious.
0: Yeah, And that wouldn't have been good. Um, Is that the kind of persistence, that kind of resilience? Is that something you've always had as a trait?
1: Oh, uh, uh, no. Huh? no, I was a very, very lazy teenager. Didn't want to do anything. I was not an athletic kid in the slightest. Well, no, I was an athletic kid up until about the age of 12. And then I got to be a really lazy teenager. And it wasn't until I was about 23 that I started getting into running.
0: What was your... um? What made the change then? What was your motivation for doing it? Because that's, for anyone that doesn't know, how long is a normal ultra? Is there a standard? So, yeah,
1: an ultra run is anything longer than a marathon. So anything longer than 26.2 miles. So that can be a 50k, a 50 miler, 100k, 100 miles, and anything more. So the furthest I've done is 217 miles, or the Great British Ultra, which I was first female, third overall. It took me about 70 hours.
0: That's incredible. So just going back to, the, just back to what I asked before I sidetracked you there is, what got you into that? What was your motivation for doing that, to put yourself under that kind of pressure?
1: Yeah, my uh, my dad had something called multiple sclerosis and there is a stem cell treatment that they can give to people with MS now where they take some of your own stem cells and then they give the patient a really high dose of chemotherapy, basically to kill their immune system. And then they reintroduce your stem cells and your body like grows like a new immune system that doesn't attack the um, myelin sheath Um, so you start to regain some of your movement or regain your eyesight, but this treatment is not available on the NHS and it's about, sorry, about £40,000 just for the treatment and they do it in places like Canada and stuff like that. And my dad was Canadian, so we were going to take him over there and pay for it. So all in all, it probably would have been like at least 70 grand. Yeah. So I was going to try and raise the money to pay for it because my dad hadn't been able to even see what some of my kids look like, and I, I didn't know my dad other than him being really disabled. So I wanted to like know how tall my dad was. Yeah. And uh, I wanted him to like walk me down the aisle and stuff if I ever got married. And so I was like, right, I'm going to raise this money. I know. I'll run a marathon. And I remember like telling people and they were like, you're not going to run a marathon star. You're just not. So I signed up and this is how much I knew about marathon running. I thought the UK only had one marathon and it was the London marathon. So I tried to sign up for the London marathon and didn't get in. And I was like, oh no. I wonder if they have any other marathons in other (laughs) countries. So I was looking up like where else they do marathons And I was like, oh, they do them everywhere. I had no idea. And then I came across this like video on YouTube of this woman who was going to be running the um, Great North Passage in Canada, which is like 200 and odd miles. And she was going to be doing it all in one go. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I'm watching her do it, and she's talking about how it's like the worst pain in the world, but it's so amazing. <laughs> and I watched her do this, like going from being really happy to like being ridiculously sad and all these injuries she got. And she finally did it at the end. And she didn't beat the men's record, but she beat the women's record by like two days.
2: Oh wow! And I was
1: like, holy shit, this woman's mental. And I was like... That's so cool. And she was talking about all these other ultra runs. So I was like, I wonder if they do any ultra runs in this country. And I had a look and I found some and I was like, right, I'm going to sign up for an ultra marathon instead. Bear in mind at this point, i would never even done a 5k.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I was like, right. So I signed up for an ultra marathon that was in four months. And it was 90 miles along the Dorset coast. So I had four months to train. And that's the one that snapped my ligament in. Um,
0: So that was your first one as well?
1: Yeah. So I I posted a video on my Facebook going, I'm going to do an ultramarathon. And everyone, not a single person, apart from my mom and dad, and I'm sure they only did it to be nice, but everyone told me, I was not gonna do it, Mm -hmm. that I was going to quit and that I wouldn't be able to do it. And I didn't realize how hard it was. And the fact that, I think like just before that, like a a month into my training, I did a 10K and I was so proud of myself and they were like, yeah, but that's so different Mm -hmm. to what you're gonna do. You're not gonna be able to do it. And my mom and dad were like, yeah, you can do it. But I think they were just sort of saying it's very nice. maybe. And uh, I did it. I finished it. I was last person to yeah. finish it, but I did it in the time. And after that, I was hooked.
0: What were you it hooked was with? like I'm going to say, what was the what was the thing that kept you in the world?
1: The fact that I had told myself I was going to do something, and it didn't matter how hard it was or how much pain I was in, and I did it. And everyone told me that I wouldn't be able to, and I still did it. And it was sort of being able to rub it in everyone's face afterwards that said I couldn't do it.
2: Mm.
1: I was just hooked. So after that, it was like, right, now I need to do a bigger one and a bigger one, and now I'm going to do it faster. I'm not going to be last place. I'm going to get faster and faster, and yeah, that's how it started. And then my dad uh, very selfishly died before I raised enough money. Oh, yeah! I like the way
0: way you said selfishly there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And he um, he died two weeks before the Great British Ultra, the one where I came first. I'd never come first in a run before as well, so he never saw me come first. And that was my biggest one. That was the one that I was really going for. And he died two weeks before that as well.
0: Well... I'm sure, in his own way, he got to see. He got to see the see the result and see you win.
1: Um, yeah, I doubt he's blind.
0: Well, who says he's blind? I'm <laughs> oh, sorry.
1: I love doing that. Every time someone goes, "I'm sure he's looking down at you," I'm always like,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> but "Hang on a minute." <laughs> yeah, well, I'll throw back at you that we don't know what powers you get when you go there. You may well just get powers to do everything. Yeah. Who knows? Um, well, I mean. That's insane, that that story, that kind of how you got hooked from not even done a 5K. I mean, I'm no runner myself, but I have done 10K once before and I pledge never, ever to do it again. It just wasn't my thing. Um, But I, I um, I get a huge sense that you find absolutely smashing other people's expectations out of the ballpark quite addictive.
2: Yeah.
0: And I think maybe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you've said already that, you know, people that you were bullied at school, people didn't talk very nice about you. Do you think that plays into this kind of motivation? Do you think that helps fuel this kind of motivation? Because you can go now, look, okay, look where I am now. I'm successful in what I'm doing. I am, you know, I've got my own freedom, I've got my house, I'm able to paying for stuff, I'm, I'm doing all my runs and stuff,
1: so kind of... Uh, maybe a little bit. I think it's more a case of I like to be a living example of don't judge a book by its cover.
2: Mm.
1: I'm sure people look at me and think, dumb blonde, especially my job. Um, and then people are quite surprised when I can list off all the things that I can do, like gold bed list, um, qualified mechanic. I've got a degree.
0: Mechanic. When did you slide that one in?
1: Oh, I, I, uh, my first job was working at a Capri club. My mum used to drive Capris, so she got me a job at a Capri club. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I'm a qualified mechanic. Obviously, don't do it now. But, uh, those, yeah. And I've I've not got much experience working on diesel engines, but yeah, qualified mechanic. Um, whilst uh, yeah, ultra runner, spicy accountant, a bit of a lefty. I just I just like being able to surprise people. Mm. If you give me something, um, and I don't know how to do it, yeah, I'm not one to go oh i can't do it i will sit there until i do know how to do it and until i can do it even if it kills me i will do it i will not be defeated by something
0: that's incredible i love that i love that outlook um you mentioned you mentioned lupus what kind of role does that play in your life thing because i'm conscious if there is anyone listening they'll have heard Obviously lupus, and I think it'd be it'd be good for us to touch on that.
1: Yeah, so I've always been poorly and never understood what it was. And when I was a kid, I was told it was like heat stroke, because I always get ill during the summer holidays. So when I was working in a school, I was um wasn't to get like time off work because it was always during the summer holidays that I was admitted to hospital. I'd always get like sepsis or go into septic shock. Mm. Um, and it you know and then it was I was diagnosed with kidney disease but they couldn't understand why Yeah. Um, and it was chronic post renal kidney failure so it was like scarring on my kidneys from so many infections and from having to take so many antibiotics and every time I went to like the doctors or anything like that I look really healthy on the outside but then all my blood results it they say like on the inside you're like an 80 year old right. and um, about a year ago I was collapsing randomly and my heart rate was dropping to like 12 beats a minute wow. um and my lips were going blue I was getting these black marks under my fingernails I had migraines every single day and uh, I finally ended up being sent to a rheumatologist because they found like my bloods had markers for inflammation. And I was like, oh, right, so I've got arthritis. Um, And they found out I had rheumatoid arthritis and then they did an ANA test and found out that I had lupus. And because I'm so fit and healthy, my immune system is really good, it's really strong. So my immune system was like attacking my body really quick. So when they did all these tests, they found out that I had kidney disease, liver disease, uh, I have myocarditis, so I've got inflammation around my heart. I've still got to go and get a like some scan and wear a silly cap on my head so that they can check the damage that it's doing on my brain um. And then I've got problems with my thyroid, um pancreas. And I think that's right. Yeah, not very well. No. <laughs> um, and then they started me on a type of chemotherapy. So it just suppresses. It sounds terrifying when you say that, but it just suppresses your immune system, makes it go a bit slower. So I get more infections and more colds. Um it just slows it down because when I went to the rheumatologist I was like I don't really like medication I'm quite scared of it so you just tell me what to do Mm -hmm. like what food to avoid what sort of fitness plan and I'll do it Mm -hmm. I promise I'm really good like that I don't drink or anything and he, he was like right if we don't get you on the right medication you won't be here in the next couple of years that's how serious it is you will die and I was like Oh, okay. And he said, um, and sometimes it can take a while to get you on the right medication. And I'm so lucky because the first drug he gave me was the right one. A lot of people, it takes years. Mm. But I'm I'm quite a basic bitch, so like the basic medication was the right one for me.
0: <laughs> wow, I mean. I think the the thing is you've – it's funny because we all have our own journeys and you've obviously been through and seen a heck of a lot. And there's some real, real tough stuff. I mean, being told that, you know, your life might end should there not be an intervention within a, a couple of years. Do, do you think – did that change the way that you saw life any?
1: Uh made me get the drugs.
0: Well, I mean there is that.
1: Um my partner at the time, my husband, um was sat outside the waiting room with kids. Um which I was glad because he's a bit more sensitive than I am. Not in not in a mean way, but I I'm quite stiff upper lip. And I remember coming out of the doctor's room mm. and he was like everything all right and I remember thinking like I can't really put this on him mm. and I was like yep got a prescription and I didn't actually tell him or my mom how serious it was for a good couple of weeks wow. just because yeah I don't know didn't I didn't want to put it on other people and then, and then I let people know when I'd sort of processed it.
0: Yeah. What was what was their reaction to that?
1: Eh, uh, don't know. Just maybe a bit a bit of shock. I sort of just slightly dropped it in, and I think I downplayed it a lot as well. Yeah. See, I don't know. I think my not so much my ex, but my mum is very similar to me. We've seen how poorly someone can get. Mm. To me, just being tired and a bit sore isn't that bad mm. in comparison to how it could be. I'm very lucky. When uh, when you've grown up with someone who is blind and pretty much paralysed from the neck down, you, uh, your perspective is very different.
0: Yeah, so. I suppose the um, yeah the the levels of expectation and, and I think I suppose where is normal kind of changes between yeah. person to person based on that, doesn't it? Um, but it is sometimes difficult because you can find yourself in a you know when something can be can be really hurting you. You can find yourself in a well, it's worse for other people, so I better just suck it up. And it's trying to
2: mm-hmm. recognize
0: that it's serious for you, but actually. It could be worse. It's trying to see both, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um. No, I. I don't. I don't think I ever I think my mindset's quite good. It's not like I don't realise that what I have is serious, mm. but I'm able to sit back and realise how fortunate I am because some people have lupus and their symptoms are so much worse than mine. And like I said. Some people, it takes years for them to get on the right medication. It was a couple of weeks of being on hydroxychloroquine, and my migraines went. the pain in my joints hasn't gone, but so much less. Mm. And um then, six months later, going and getting your bloods done and realizing that you know, I'm not going to die in a couple of years is amazing it would have been devastating if it had all been in my head and then it had gone back and they'd have been like, no, we need to get you on different medication. So yeah, I, I am quite lucky.
0: Thank you for, for sharing that star. I think if there's, if there's anyone listening that has, you know, that has lupus or that knows anyone that's got lupus or, or whether that's, you know, a different condition um, or disease, disease entirely, then I think there's, possibly something in there that's that could help them you know mentally deal with that or approach it or or have a conversation with somebody um i would like to know based on everything you've said this is where you are today this is you sat at home and what does the close future look like for stardom
1: i don't know i've never not had a plan um I've just received a few days ago um, my certificate for my foundation degree. So I'm doing uh, deaf studies and education. (laughs) Um, And I've just finished doing my BSL level two. So my plan was to become a teacher at a deaf school or a special educational school because I've always been around disabled people. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to learn BSL. Um, obviously now because of my career, I won't be able to do that. Um, but I can still be an interpreter once I'm a level three in BSL, which just means that I will go on a website and say if there's a lady that needs um an interpreter at a doctor's appointment and would feel more comfortable with a woman, they'll be able to see my picture and I can go with them and interpret. Really? Um so I'll still be able to do that. Um, but that was my plan. And I had plans for like five years, ten years. Now I don't have a plan. And this is probably the happiest I've been. Not putting any pressure on myself. Good. Um, so I'm just sort of doing whatever I want. It's like if anyone watches this and then goes over to my TikTok, you'll notice I don't have a niche. Most people,
0: yeah, no, you don't
1: have a niche in mind. Anything from transitions to me having a go at someone who's, you know, slagging off fat people Mm. or talking about my lupus, talking about ultra running, just whatever I want it to be.
0: Pretty much what comes into your head, right?
1: Yeah there's there's no sort of uh specific thing it's just what i feel like on that day
0: yeah which i love because i like i do enjoy tiktok but i think sometimes you can get pulled into well i need to feed the algorithm what does it want and it becomes being less about the authenticity of being yourself and it becomes more about chasing followers chasing views chasing being viral and I love the fact that you've been accidentally plonked into this world and are still navigating it in the way that you want to navigate it. You haven't let the other things pull you from pillar to post. I love that.
1: Well, I I don't I genuinely don't care how many followers I've got. Um, like my, my last video that I did was uh, about men's mental health mm-hmm. and I lost about two hundred female followers from that, and gained about five hundred male followers, because it seems like people can't understand that I am a feminist that also cares about men, because you're either I think I think on apps like TikTok, you have to be the extreme of one end. Mm. I I was mostly raised, my mum worked. So I grew up with a hard working mum that went from being like training to be a nurse to being a senior midwife. I watched her work and get a degree. She was the breadwinner. Mm. So I looked up to a woman being a boss and my dad was at home and my dad was the caring, supportive one.
2: Mm.
1: I never saw my dad building anything or raising his voice. But you can't tell me that man wasn't manly. So I'm a strong feminist. But then when I make a video going, hey, guys, you know, I don't think that you're all bad. I think most of you are quite wonderful, actually. And I'd like you to stick around and not do something stupid. So please, if you're struggling, get help. I've got feminists going, oh, no, 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 no. And, uh, yeah, I don't I don't seem to fit in the feminist box anymore. But then on all I'll the videos, I'll get men absolutely hating me. Yeah,
0: yeah. But you get, like you said, it's about that extremes, isn't it? I've noticed that. And it's actually when you think about the idea of feminism, it was to create equal opportunities for women. Yeah. It was it was to stop the kind of women being treated as lesser beings than men. Whereas now you've got a very vocal world where you've got people like, you know, Andrew Tate on one side of the spectrum, you know, to the other side of the spectrum, and there is literal almost hate messages going from it. And that's not where the roots came from. It was about equality, it was about caring for everyone, but making sure everyone had equal opportunities. Yeah, it's, just sad it's, it's to, go to a place where that's
1: happened. It's the same as like people hating all Muslims because of a few terrorists.
2: Yeah,
1: no, you 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 cannot tar them with the same brush. Do I think all men are rapists and evil? Absolutely not. My dad and my brothers are wonderful men. Most of the men in my life, um, I'm 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 surrounded by blokes, and. They're all genuinely lovely, wonderful people. I've I've always had more guy friends than girlfriends, yeah. and that's another thing. Have I uh, shagged any of my guy mates? No. Have any of them attempted to come near me? No. They all see me as like a little sister.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm um, trying that get trying to get that through to anyone. They're not going to understand that because they put all men in one box um trans people, they're all going in the women's bathroom just to touch people. Absolutely not. And it just it does my head in when you just try and shove everyone into a box. And hopefully I can sort of be a visual for you can't put me in a box.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I think you've shown that. You've described that. Um and that's very clear. And I just hope that you know, you're able to keep doing that and and actually use that platform and use that popularity to be able to, you know, help with some of these these real issues that that we're having, especially online, because it it does seem prevalent online. I don't I don't think half of these topics do I hear people talking about in person. Yeah, but it just seems to be discussions based on a safe place where you can type whatever you like and have no repercussions, really. Mm. Um, which is crazy, isn't it? Now, I have got a fun question for you that I haven't asked you. Um, I haven't prepared you for. I love superheroes, hence the reason why it's a superhero finder. But I would like to know if you could give yourself any, if you could be born again tomorrow and you could give yourself any superhero power or any superpower, what would it be and what would you use it for?
1: Uh, I'd be invisible. Okay. And it would just to be able to leave the house.
0: And just not that be... sounds
1: really sad, doesn't it? But that's always been like superpower. Yeah. I'd love to be invisible and then I could leave the house and not panic.
0: There is, I I understand that. I understand that. There is, yeah, there's, I think that there's a lot to that, isn't there? But it's what it's... would yours be? Mine, boring. Not not being boring. That's not a superpower. I can be that anyway. Um, flying.
1: Flying, why? Flying,
0: and I'm terrified of heights. <laughs> so I'd be doing it, and I'd be crapping myself all the way as well. <laughs> but I love the idea of being able to just get anywhere I wanted without having yeah. to think about the logistics of it, you know, a little bit like Superman does. Um, yeah. Or Iron Man, who is my favourite. Obviously, he's got his suit and you can fly. Um,
1: oh. Is Iron Man your favourite superhero then? Yeah. Spider-Man's my favourite. Got him there. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, you've frozen him again. There we go.
0: Yeah. I'm a giant child with an arm that looks like a colouring book. I love it. It's
1: great. Oh, you preaching to the choir. What See, I don't my- have any... I've got flowers there, but... um, Christ, what I've got. I've got a Lego Gandalf tattooed on me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've got the hoverboard from Back to the Future. Uh, my stupid. Well, no, I don't think they're stupid, I think they're hilarious. Um, I've got on my thigh about that big, uh, Ron Burgundy, and uh, I've got the Shovel Slayer from Home Alone tattooed on my leg, and it says underneath it, Every Day I'm Shoveling. Love
2: that
1: because why not? Why not? I think it's funny. <laughs>
2: I love that every day I'm
0: shoveling. I can't get the song out of my head now.
1: I was at a Christmas party and out with like my tattooist and all the rest of it. And he was talking about like funny Home Alone tattoos and he brought it up and I was like, I'll do it. And he was like, Really? And I was like, Yeah, fuck it. Why not? Why not? So, uh, (laughs) yeah, next day went in, got it done. And then the Ron Burgundy tattoo. Mm He needed a model to get two portraits done on the legs at the same time. So I've got Robin Williams in Good Morning Vietnam. Mm-hmm. I, got to, I got to pick that one. And then on the other side, Ron Burgundy. So at Blackpool Tattoo Convention, I sat there for eight hours and got them both done because he needed someone that wouldn't like scream and cry while they were getting them done. So, yeah. And my mum was like, You're gonna regret them? Well, it's been ten years, I don't regret it. And then when I came home, she was like, What are you gonna do when you strip off and a man sees them? And I went, if he doesn't like a mummy can just flip me over. Mic drop. Yeah.
0: If anybody wants to follow this insanely colourful you right, and I'm going to say that because I like the fact that you're also a cold star because it's kind of you're just exuberating energy. I just feel like I feel like there's loads of stuff that you just don't give a crap about. Some stuff you just you know you're very comfortable in your own skin, but then there's all this stuff behind it. I just think it's great, and thank you for spending the time. But if anyone wants to follow you, how can they do so? Where can they find you online?
1: Oh well, thank you. Um, yeah. I've got a TikTok, uh, that is star bb one two uh same on instagram or you can just search my name star bicker staff but that's a mouthful um and yeah that's about it or you can find me on my spicy account which is star bb one two
0: so they're all the same star bb one two so what i'll do is i'll put them all in the description for the podcast episode um Thank you, everyone, today for listening. And thank you so much for your time, Star. It's been so much- No,
1: thank you for having me on.
0: No, oh, you're welcome. And, guys, if you are listening, if you're not watching, so you can watch this on Spotify. So if you've been listening to this and going, I want to be able to see more, then just watch it again on Spotify. Not only does it help our ratings, it also means you get to see the fun conversation. But there is a link above my head, which is patreon.com slash thekindeststrongman. As a small creator, doing a podcast is incredible. But it's incredibly difficult to be able to monetize. Um, I found it is anyway. I've not found the best way of doing it. But I have a dream this year of doing an in-person podcast, so studio-based, you know, and really get to meet the people that I have on the podcast. Um, and if I do so, I'd love to be able to invite all the people that have been on so far. And I want to, I want to make it a big celebration. Um, but to do that, that costs money, and we know money don't come for free nowadays. So Patreon helps. You to be able to help me for the price of a coffee. And if you're not a coffee person, a Tesco meal deal. That's kind of, that kind of covers most people, doesn't it? Um, so that's patreon.com slash the kindest strongman. Check it out. If it's not for you, that's fine. Just, you know, sharing my posts, sharing these things is perfectly fine. And I appreciate every single one of you that listens. And as always, the Instagram is the kindest strongman as well. So from myself and from Star, we're gonna say the catchphrase, and I don't know why I've just called it a catchphrase because that really does put no pressure on it. Stay super, everybody. <laughs>